I'd like to welcome everybody back to our weekly podcast. This is Parshas, Parshas Emor. The portion itself just goes through the different holidays, different periods of the year, beginning with Pesach. Then it goes into the period of the Omer. The Torah tells us that the Korban Omer, the barley offering, is brought in Merchus of Pesach the following day, day after the first day of Pesach. Um, it's called, the Torah calls it Shabbos, but it's called the following day is when we bring the Korban Omer, the Omer offering. And it's, Pesach calls it, it's a, it's a tnufa, it's a wave offering. When the Kohen, when he would bring an offering, he would wave it to all the different directions. And then it says, You should begin counting the following day after the first day of Pesach when you bring this wave offering. Sheva Shabbosos Tamimos, seven complete weeks. Tispu Chamishim Yom, you should count 50 days. Everybody's understand that to mean close to 50, which is really 49 days. And, until you, and then you bring it, you, you count those days, weeks and days, until the seventh week. And after the seventh week, you bring the, the, the Shavuos, which is the holiday of when the Torah was given, with the Shteha Lechem, two loaves of wheat bread. Now, it seems a little bit strange what this is doing over here in the section regarding the regarding the, the different holidays, different Yom Tovim. Now, we go through it. It talks about Pesach, it talks about Shavuos, it talks about Sukkot, it talks about Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. But the count of the Omer is not really a holiday of sorts. It's a mitzvah that we do, like many other mitzvahs. So what's it doing over here? Why exactly does the Torah tell us over here the mitzvah of counting these, this, during this period of time? Furthermore, what's the significance of the counting anyway? Simple understanding that Sefer Chinuch tells us it's like a countdown to the giving of the Torah, mounting excitement to the giving of the Torah, and also there's a preparation for the giving of the Torah. What exactly, let's try to give a little bit of a better understanding, deeper understanding what the significance of the, of the counting of the Omer is. Another question we can ask is, why is it called the counting of the Omer? Why is the counting connected to the Omer offering, the barley offering brought on the second day of Pesach? You would, you would have thought that it should be called the counting, the countdown to the giving of the Torah, the counting of the days of Torah, or a counting, countdown from Pesach. What, there seems to be something significant about the Omer, the barley offering which is brought, and its connection to the counting. Another question we can ask is in, about regarding the name of the Korban sacrifice itself, the Korban Omer, the barley, or the Omer offering. Now, Omer literally is a measure. It's a certain measure, a small, relatively small measure, as a matter of fact. Now, if it's that's almost like, let's say you make a cake, for example, out of let's say a, a, a lemon cake. You put in a certain amount of flour and a certain amount of lemon, a certain amount of sugar, and said all the different ingredients. You would call it a lemon cake. You wouldn't call it a two teaspoon cake because that's so much lemon juice you put inside the cake. Over here too, if the carbon itself is bought of barley, so you may call it the barley offering, or the whatever the reason for the offering is in the first place. What's the significance called the Omer offering, the measure offering? Why is it called by the, by the how much how much of the barley is put into the offering itself? It seems a little bit strange. <clears throat> in general, the rabbis tell us that barley was, in those times at least, barley was the food used for animals. They used to feed animals barley. In contrast to wheat, wheat, the Gemara tells us, is actually a, a more refined type of a grain, which is fit for human beings. The rabbis actually say that a child first gets a certain element of its, reaches the first milestone of intelligence once it eats wheat. 
So it's interesting that the sacrifice on Pesach is the barley offering, which is made of animal feed. And then we go to the two loaves of bread that are brought on Shavuos. That's a wheat offering. What exactly is the connection, the significance between what are one, one offering being barley and the other being wheat? So we can perhaps explain it in the following manner. <clears throat> when the Jewish people first left Mitzrayim, when they first left Egypt, their goal was to be able to receive Torah. We've mentioned this actually in a discussion about freedom for Pesach. Freedom without some kind of discipline, without a set of guidelines and rules, is meaningless. It's anarchy. It's something anybody could do what they want. It'll be, it, would be, it could be terrible. Therefore, the whole purpose of the giving of the Torah and the four expressions of redemption, the last expression is, I will take you to me as a nation. The rabbis Ramban explains, the Maharal explains, what that means to say is, I will take you to me as a nation when I give you the Torah at Mount Sinai. That's the fourth expression of freedom. Freedom cannot really be appreciated, it cannot really be enjoyed until they receive the Torah, until they have a set of rules and guidelines to be able to, to, be able to live their lives. Without that, the, the, there would be no meaning to the freedom at all of, of Exodus from Egypt. When Jewish people left Egypt, they were like animals. They're animals that just open up the pen, they run free wherever they want to go. When they left Egypt, that's the way, to some extent, that's where the Jewish people were holding. They were at this very low spiritual level, and they really, at that point in time, they really didn't have much connecting themselves, connecting themselves to a life of discipline. For that, they would receive Torah. They would need the Torah to be able to give them that guideline, the purpose, in, the purpose of the freedom. But God couldn't just give them the Torah right away. They'd be prepared for the Torah. They'd go through proper preparations and elevate themselves to be able to be deserving of Torah. They say a story that a person once heard a Rebbe talking to his followers, and the Rebbe said that if a person were to have a tiniest dibur, that he would not speak any extraneous speech whatsoever for 40 days, he would merit to be able to have Ruach HaKodesh, divine inspiration. And this fellow was a very simple man, but he thought, wow, I'd love to have divine inspiration. So he goes home to his wife and tells his wife, you'll have to excuse me, I really want to receive divine inspiration. And the Rebbe said that as long as I don't say any, anything extraneous for 40 days, I'll be able to get it. So I want to warn you right now, for the next 40 days, I'm incommunicado. You can't talk to me at all. I can't, I can't, I can't answer. I, I can't, I'll be busy for the next 40 days. And she accepted. She said, fine. So the fellow went, and every single morning he would go to services, go to Davin. After Davin, he would say a little tillum. Afterwards, he would go, go to sleep, but... He was careful, meticulous not to say one word over the course of 40 days. You can well imagine his excitement on the 41st day in the morning that he's ready to, okay, today's the day. Today I'm going to be able to feel that divine inspiration wash all over me. And he wakes up and it seems just like any other day. And he goes to the shul and he goes to the and he does, and nothing seems different than any other day. He says, I don't know what happened. I'm certain that I remember that the Rebbe said that after 40 days I would get divine inspiration if I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything extra. I didn't use any extraneous speech whatsoever. What's the problem? What's the problem? So after the day was end, after they had ended, he went back to the Rebbe and said, Rebbe, it doesn't work. He said, what doesn't work? He said, I tried it. I went 40 days out speaking an extraneous word, that one single word. And you said you received divine inspiration and nothing happened. I didn't get any divine inspiration. 
So everybody thinks to himself a little bit, looks out the window, and tells this simple man, my friend, look out the window over here. What do you see? Indeed, in front of the Rebbe's house was a little hitching post where there's some horses hitched. He says, well, Rebbe, I see horses. The Rebbe says, no, those are not plain horses. I want you to know those horses have not spoken an extraneous word since the day they were born. And the fellow looks a little puzzled. And therefore, he says, they haven't spoken an extraneous word, yet they don't have divine inspiration. When I said that if a person doesn't goes without speaking for 40 days, he would receive Ruach HaKodesh, divine inspiration. What I meant to say is that a person is holding at a spiritual level with, with knowledge and performance of mitzvahs, etc. And then, besides that, he also goes 40 days without any extraneous speech, he would receive divine inspiration. That I still hold by that. I stand by my, my original comment. However, but if a person just, just, just doesn't speak, not speaking itself, animals don't speak either. That's not sufficient. That's the understanding here too. God gave the Torah to human beings. When a person has already developed a mensch, he developed menschlichkeit, he develops what it means to be a mensch, goes to different types of preparations, then he's deserving of being able to receive Torah. But God never gave the Torah to animals. When they first left Egypt, they were like on the level of animals. They were not yet deserving of being able to be able to receive the Torah. That's what it's telling us, therefore. On the first day after they left Egypt, Hashem says they should bring a barley offering. The barley offering is to remind them that's where we are right now. We're holding by the, by the level of, of animals. And from there, we have to move until Shavuos when they would bring the two loaves of wheat bread, which is the level of human being. That's after the person's achieved the level of what it means to be a human being, then we're ready to receive the Torah. So we have to go from the barley offering to the wheat offering of Shavuos. How do we get there? So Torah tells us to take count one day at a time. One day is one day to the Omer, two days to the Omer, three days to the Omer, etc. Then after a week, it's seven days, which is one week to the Omer. The following week is 14 days, which is two weeks, etc. We're to count days and to count weeks. What's, this, what's the symbolism of that? What that means to say is that in order to be able to incorporate change into our lives, it's important to take one little step at a time. You can't jump. You can't, you know, you can't grab too much at a time. That's to be compared to a person that tries to climb to the top of the ladder and he takes two steps at a time. Chances are he'll fall down to the bottom. You have to take small, measured steps. There's a fascinating medrash Regarding in, uh, regarding in the Megillah Esther, when Haman, when Haman was told that he has to take Mordechai about on the lead him on the horse and give him the, the honor due that the king wants to give him, so it says he came to where Mordechai was sitting in the base medrash studying Torah, teaching Torah to children, and he listens to listens, waiting waiting for him to finish his lesson. He listens to the lesson, and they were learning the laws of the uh, laws of the of the of the Omer this barley offering. And after he finishes, Haman asks Mordechai, that sounded interesting, what is that all about? He says, well, in time of the base, maybe time of the temple, they'll bring this offering, and it was a barley offering. He says, well, the offering itself, I mean, you would think that bring offering to God, you bring an offering made out of gold or something like that. No, all God wants is a simple barley offering. 
So if it's only barley, it must be a tremendous, a gigantic amount of the of the of the barley to be able to bring us a gift. No, as a matter of fact, it's only an Omer offering, a small little measure. So Haman thinks to himself and says, you know, it's interesting. Your small little measure of barley offering might be a small offering, but it snuffed outweigh the 10,000 silver coins I offered Achashverosh to wipe out the Jewish people. What was he talking about? What does that mean exactly? We think about it. Haman enjoyed a meteoric rise. He had been a nothing. The rabbis tell us he was a barber earlier, a soldier, and then he became a barber until eventually he became a very wealthy man. And then almost overnight, he was, t- was chosen to be the prime minister and, and everybody would bow down before him and he had, he had so much going for him. Small wonder that he could offer so much money to Achishverosh for the rights to be able to kill out the Jewish people. The Jewish people, however, when they left Mitzrayim, they were on a very low level. But God didn't give them the Torah overnight to have them jump up to receive the Torah. They had to move and integrate everything slowly, one day at a time. One characteristic, next characteristic, another character trait. Pirkeyavos talks about the 48 different ways through which Torah is acquired. Absim Kazitza of Kelm used to say that the days of the Omer correspond to those 48 ways. There's Talmud is learning and the Shmias Ozin, listening carefully and being attentive and speaking to other people and being humble and being joyous, etc. 48 different characteristics. So each day, Ibsim Kazisl said, we're supposed to try to work on developing one of these characteristics. Then on the 49th day, we're supposed to try to integrate all of these characteristics together to be able to, to, be able to make them into a single entity, so to say. Then you're ready to be able to receive the Torah. The only way we can grow is by taking small measured steps. By trying to take too much at one time, ultimately we're going to lose everything. But we take one little characteristic, one little thing, and the next day something else, another character trait, and next day another character trait. Slowly, 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 that's how ultimately you'll be able to become integrated and you'll be able to be able to become, reach the level of being able to deserve to receive the Torah. Haman realized that. My meteoric rise means nothing. It's easy come, easy go. Overnight, I become the prime minister, and then he sees the next day, he's hanging on the, he's hanging on the tree. When it, what a person gains very quickly, ultimately, he can lose very quickly too. But when the Jewish people, they, they went slowly, one day at a time, then they're able to receive a Torah. And that, that would be a lasting gift to the Jewish people. Even after they sinned with the golden calf, even after they've made of been banished from their land into exile, the Torah remains with the Jewish people. It's it's eternal. It, it's an eternal connection to God, the Jewish people, through the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. That was the gift of the of the the Torah and the gift of the two loaves of wheat bread. So that gives a little bit of better understanding now of getting to answer our original questions. The reason why we talk about the period of the Omer. During the, during the in the section about the holidays, is because it's very important. It's an important part of the holidays. The Omer is what connects Pesach to Shavuos. Rabban actually says that this period of time is almost like the Chol Moed in the holidays of Pesach and Sukkot. Between the first days of Yom Tov and last days of Yom Tov, you have the intermediate days. He says these days of the seven weeks are the intermediate days between Pesach and Shavuos. When you go from the first thing of Pesach, the redemption from Egypt 
to be able to receive a Torah, which is the goal of the redemption from Egypt. And we count each day, each day a preparation, a little another accomplishment, another accomplishment, another accomplishment. That's why we count the days upward rather than counting them down. Normally, if the purpose is only for excitement, anticipation, you would have thought we'd have counted downward, 38, 37, 36, 35. But we count up, 4, 5, 6, 7. The reason is because it's not just anticipation, it's also all about building up character, developing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more each day. That's why the Corbin is called the Corbin Omer. It's specifically the Omer, which is a small little measure of barley. We call it by that name because that's the most important part about it. Certainly it's brought from barley, which is the animal feed, that's true. But the most important part of the sacrifice is the fact that it starts out small, small little measure. And then the counting of the Omer, because the counting is connected to that measure. Because that's, again, how we grow each day a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, until we reach Shavuos, when we're able to receive the Torah. Everything comes together at that time. The day of the day of the bringing of the two loaves of wheat bread. When already we've achieved a level of what it means to be a human. And when which we, once we've reached that level, now we're ready to be able to receive the Torah. To be able to the fine-tuning, so to say. The v'lakakti yaschom li I'll take you to me as a nation. That comes through the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. That gives a little bit of an understanding of the significance of these days. These days of sphere have tremendous potential to them. We take advantage of them. Slowly, measured steps, one day at a time. Have a great week, everybody. Hope to see you again next week. Ever think about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today.